On today's episode of the Weekend Wrap-Up, Austin and Wyatt bring on Mason Smith to talk about Alabama's win over Arkansas on Saturday, Alabama baseball's 8-0 start, and the status of the Alabama women's basketball team heading into the SEC tournament. This is the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I am your host, Austin Hannon. It is Monday, February 27th, and I am once again alongside Bama Central intern Wyatt Fulton. Today's guest is Bama Central staff writer Mason Smith. You, you've probably heard him here on the audio waves on Wednesdays. Uh, guys, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. You know, it's a it's a late recorder compared to what we usually do, but <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely up and I'm, I'm rocking. The tide is rolling. Awesome. Bama Central uh, after dark. Yeah, love to see yeah Bama Central after dark. <laughs> Here on a late yeah. Sunday night, but you're listening to this sometime in the afternoon on Monday, or maybe it's later in the week. But uh, you know what we do on this Monday show. We recap what happened over the weekend. Um, me and Wyatt talked about it last week. A lot of spring sports are back in action. Basketball is still going. Uh, we're going to touch on all that. We're going to start with men's basketball. Uh, that, that's the number one headline. Alabama wins 86 to 83 over Arkansas on Saturday. They shot three for 22 from three. It wasn't really pretty, uh, but they kind of did the dirty work in the paint, got to the free throw line, did all that kind of stuff. Still came away with a three-point win, kept the undefeated record at, at Coleman Coliseum going. Um, guys, this Arkansas team was good. I, I think, you know, the 19-10, and 8-8 eight and eight in the SEC, or 9-8 and eight and eight in the SEC, that's right. I don't think it does them justice. Obviously, they got Nick Smith, the top recruit in the country, um, last year back a couple weeks ago. They're kind of hitting their stride right now. They they played very competitively, even though Alabama wasn't at its best. Um, like we didn't shoot. I wrote the story on on Saturday. It was Sunday's cover. They didn't shoot the ball well, but they they they've showed time and time again this year that it doesn't always matter, right? No, they that's definitely true. And honestly, when I watched Nick Smith play, that was my first time I really get to see a full game of of his skill. And I can see why he's a NBA potential first round pick. Like no doubt, that dude can ball. But one thing I do like about this Alabama team, like you said, Austin, they can just find ways to win. They do have all the elements that would make a championship team and not not trying to you know foreshadow too much but in terms of the elements that you would want you do want perimeter shooting you do also want good slashing you do want um interior scoring they have all those elements offensively and their defense is always solid now sometimes they can be kind of a feast or famine on both sides of the ball they can sometimes have really hot shooting nights and have really strong defensive performances and other times they can really struggle on, on either side but i think it was another time they kind of grinded it out and before you know why i turn I'll, I'll let you share your piece the one thing i want to say Brandon Miller, we all know he's great, but I can really see him like channeling all the energy, all the noise, all the commotion. I can really, I can almost see it just coursing through his body when he plays. It's like yep. it's giving him another, another life, another gear. Um, not even to kind of get too far off it, like Dragon Ball Z is not his final <laughs> form. I think, it's, I think it's just reaching a truly another, le- truly another level with everything that's going on surrounding him. Yeah, I really think. You know, the ability for Brandon Miller to just keep all the outside noise, just keep it outside is is a phenomenal job he does. Nate Oates said it after his uh after the South Carolina game. Brandon's one of the most mentally tough players he's ever seen. And I do think it's also a testament to Nate Oates. Brandon Miller already coming in was going to be a top prospect this year, but to see him kind of build on his game, and the broadcast even mentioned it uh on Saturday, to see him build his game, to improve his game just a little bit more here and there, and the little pieces that we saw that may have been a little bit weaker earlier in the season, I think it's also a testament to Nate Oates and his coaching abilities. 
yeah, Brandon Miller, one for six, I think it was from three point range. And that that's kind of been his main way of scoring this year, if you will. I mean, obviously he's had dunks and fast and, and transition buckets and, but he's, that's what he does is score behind, behind the arc. And that wasn't going well, but he still finished the game with 24 points. I, I don't know about you guys. I don't think this Alabama team wants to play Arkansas again. Obviously the trip to Fayetteville um, took that nine point stretch and whatever that was 30 something seconds, those three pointers um, or Arkansas could have won that game. And then they came to Tuscaloosa on the return trip, got Nick Smith back um, and nearly won at Coleman Coliseum, which has been far from, I mean, nobody this year, we talked about it last week. I mean, it's been the opposite at Coleman Coliseum this year. So I don't, I don't think this is a team that Alabama wants to see in it. And right now it might have to face this Razorbacks team on Friday. It, it might have to, but the thing is, Alabama's going to need that consistent full scoring from its uh, from its supporting cast. And it's kind of funny to say supporting cast because, honestly, we could look at three, four, five players that could be all SEC, you know, selections on this team. But, yes, supporting cast beyond Brandon Miller and Mark Sears. Mark Sears went 0 for 4 from 3. Like, when games like that, it kind of makes it, you know, difficult for Alabama to succeed when the second leading scorer is struggling. Also, one thing that's not really talked about enough, Mark Sears and Jaden Brown usually play together. That usually works because Mark Sears is such a great perimeter threat. It allows Jaden Brown to penetrate and be able to kick and facilitate mm-hmm. how he does. When Mark Sears is cold, it, it makes it hard to play Bradley because Mark Sears is not making his shots. Jalen Bradley just won't take them. And, and of course, for good reason, because he can't really make them right now. <laughs> but if he, if, I think if Mark Sears kind of struggle, you know, it kind of has a domino effect on the rest of the rotation. You know, he's forced to sit Bradley. He plays Quinterly. Quinterly can play well like he did, 16.7 assists. Or you can get, you know, six turnover Javon Quinterly, which could be a show. You can get Rylan Griffin, who can knock down three, four threes for you. Or you can get the Rylan Griffin that can look sometimes lost on defense or lost on offense. So I think with Mark Sears, he's honestly more of a key in terms of at least the backcourt part of the Alabama basketball offense where he has to play more consistent, especially from beyond the yard to make sure not only for his sake, but for the rotation sake, it's more smooth sailing. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up uh, the kind of role players. I want to talk to wide about this. We got to see Javon Quinterly kind of in his full form, as you will. Mason was talking about full form earlier. He kind of was doing his thing that he does best. I mean, he was getting downhill. He was dumping the ball off. He was jellying, if you will, layups there left and right. Um, Dom Welch has really started to kind of pick it up a little bit. I think he had seven on Saturday. He had his season high eight a couple games ago. Uh, like those two guys, you, we kind of saw a downtrend of Ryland Griffin. I thought he was one of the worst players probably on the Crimson Tide on Saturday. But guys like Quinterly and Welch, I mean, that that could be a big, big, big factor moving forward. I definitely agree with that. And I also think the experience of Quinterly as well, being how much older he is than a lot of the freshman superstars we seem to see in the in the sport nowadays currently having that experience is going to be vital down the stretch for alabama and like you guys said you know when the primary scorer is struggling who do you turn to you turn to the secondary scorer in our case that would be mark sears but when mark sears is struggling okay well now all of a sudden we've got you know that means brandon miller is struggling that means mark is struggling which also means it's very difficult to play some of the other guys on the roster so to be able to see jq kind of step that up and say hey look when it's needed, I can play. I can be that baller when we need me to be. I think it's going to be very good for Alabama heading into March. The biggest thing you want to see is teams like this being able to score in multiple ways and overcoming adversity. And Alabama has shown time and time again that they're able to score in multiple facets. When the three ball's not falling, you get they can do the dirty work. When the dirty work's getting the better of them, they drop back and they're letting it fly from three. Yeah. Um, I- I've been a Javon Quinterly guy for a while. I still think that it's so fun to watch him have like to succeed. 
I, I always tell Blake that during games when we're sitting there, like, I love when he like gets going, gets fired up, gets in people's faces, gets the crowd going. And he's just kind of like, I like watching him get all in because he's still one of the most talented players on this team. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Obviously, like at times it's not there and maybe the effort's not there. And, but when he gets going, he's still that dude. Like he is like, he can at any time come out and score 20 points, get five or six assists and kind of be the second option if Mark Sears isn't. No, definitely. Definitely. I think that's that's the joy that Nittles have talked about when you have, you know, so much depth on the bench. You have Javon Quinterly, who's an all ACC player. You have Don Welch, who's a thousand point scorer. I understand he hasn't had the greatest year for Alabama coming back from injury. He hasn't really had that game, the Don Welch game, but he's still, you know, very much legitimate. He had seven. He had seven points, two or two shooting, one on one from three, two or two from the free throw line. You know, very clean stat line, if nothing else. But you still have him. You have Nick Pringle, who's honestly making, you know, strides every single game to get better, more consistent with his play on the inside because they're going to need him. Remember, let's not forget, Charles Bediaco fouled out this game. Mm-hmm. Like, and of course, he fouled out late. The game the game was more or less in hands by then. But with Charles Bediaco kind of getting in foul trouble and Noah Clowney, you know, kind of manning that big man, that five role, they're going to need they're gonna need Pringle to kind of be that true third big to kind of really make this team, you know, multidimensional. No one, no one on their team really flies above the rim like Nick Pringle does. And it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, that's the main thing. That may be the only thing he really does on offense. He may be just the, the grunt, the grunt work guy, catches lobs, rebounds, plays good defense. But that's really what they need because Charles is not, Charles, as athletic as he is, quote unquote, as athletic as Noah Clowney <laughs> is, they're not going above the rim like Nick Pringle. He just adds a whole other element to that offense. I tweeted that out on Saturday and I kind of thought about you, Mason. I, I said, I don't think there's, that many starting bigs in the SEC that are better than Nick Pringle. I, I just, I, I truly don't like when he comes in there, he has an immediate impact on the basketball game, re- regardless of if he's scoring or rebounding, because his energy there is there. The lob threat is there. Um, and he's just, he's actually really become a huge player in that rotation. Um, guys, we have to talk about it. And I'm sure Mason will talk about it plenty on his podcast on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. The, the SEC regular season championship is on the line Wednesday night against the Auburn Tigers they're coming to Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl of Basketball Round 2. The implications are huge. The, the trophy is going to be in the building, as they say. I mean, this, this game has so many implications for so many different reasons. The bragging rights, obviously the SEC titles on the line. Are you guys ready for Wednesday night? Yes. <laughs> I, I def- I'm definitely ready for Wednesday. I'm definitely ready for Wednesday night. Um, the winner take all atmosphere is what we live for in sports. We want to see, you know, everybody lay anything on everything on the line and just, you know, lay it out, especially against your arch rival. Being able to say we beat Auburn or Alabama beats Auburn for the title at Coleman Coliseum. I think that's going to be, you know, a deal's going to live in basketball lore. Like I kind of, I kind of use that term a lot. Austin, you know, I talked about that when Brandon Miller scored 41 against South Carolina, but Brandon Miller has a great game against Auburn at home to win the SEC regular season championship. That game, legendary stuff. It was just like, that would be something that would be almost go up in the Raptors. Like the banner would just say, yeah, Auburn. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's definitely going to be an exciting game. I think the atmosphere is going to be electric. I would recommend everybody get there at least two, three hours early because parking is going to be insane. Insane. I I think the energy is going to be, I think Wednesday night is going to be one of the best Coleman Coliseum atmospheres we have seen in maybe ever, if not in the last decade, 15, 20 years. I mean, it's going to be, I don't expect there to be an empty seat in there on Wednesday. I think everybody kind of knows and the way Auburn's playing, it's kind of lining up to where this is going to be the clincher. 
Um, and, and the fact that it's going to come against Bruce Pearl and, and the rival team like that from down the road, I just think makes it that much sweeter. Uh, we've been kind of, Bama Central people have been kind of planning this out, thinking like, okay, if this team wins this and maybe Mississippi State will beat Texas A&M, it'll set up this matchup where Alabama can take home the title against Auburn at home, which, I mean, you can't draw it up better than that. You just can't. So Wednesday night, I'm sure Mason will talk about it more on his podcast Wednesday. Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum, I believe it's the 6 o'clock tip, um, and it's 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 for all the marbles. So we'll see what happens there. Brandon Miller, I'm, I'm glad Mason was just talking about him. <laughs> He's got to be SEC Player of the Week. I know – I saw that question on Twitter earlier that people are like, is there going to be, is there going to be a reason that they don't give it to him? Obviously he scored 41 on Wednesday. He scored 24 on Saturday. Um, it's got to be Brandon Miller uh, tomorrow today, right? It, it's got to be him for us to see player of the week. I don't see why it wouldn't be like, I, I, like, I, I, why, I, why I think you would agree with me. I mean, Brandon Miller's right now, just right now, people, not only is he, you know, SEC player of the week, I think it's pretty unanimous across all draft boards nba wise he'll be the first college player the first collegiate player you know drafted into the nba at the next in the next nba draft and of course we're talking about a minuscule aspect in terms of the last couple games but i definitely think that brandon Miller's the sc player of the week especially with that performance that he gave against south carolina i think it's gonna be the real over-the-top thing because who who delivers a performance like that followed by you know a, a nice performance against arkansas at home, very tough, very tough opponent. The second time you place him, and we all know that facing an opponent the second time is tougher than the first. So I think Brandon Miller is definitely deserving of the Brandon Miller SEC Player of the Week. <laughs> the reason I ask is I think the question's on Twitter, Wyatt, because of kind of what's surrounding him right now. And I think there there was weird stuff going on with the Alabama basketball Twitter. Why weren't they posting videos of Brandon Miller? Why are you know everybody's been saying their own scoop about Miller this week, and that might distract the SEC from giving it to him. Wyatt, do you think? that they would stray away from giving it to him because of everything that's happened. I don't, I don't think they would. I mean, I mean, take away the emotion of everything. Oh yeah. I think there's no question. If you're, if you're taking away the the backstory, it's obviously his take away the emotion of everything and look at the absolute bare bones facts of the case, right. Of the whole nine yards, everything. Brandon Miller to come out and put on the performances he did after being needlessly attacked on social media by countless people to be able to come out and put a performance like that, it's a testament to Brandon Miller and it's a testament to the team as a whole. You know, I think for the, I think for the most part, just the idea of the team, okay, why are they not posting Brandon Miller? It's because you don't want the comment section flooded with a bunch of people of, Oh, well, why is Brandon Miller playing? Like, no, you're getting that regardless. You're getting it regardless. I mean, I'm still like, I'm still firing off tweets. And, you know, every third comment is, you know, was this when this is happening or whatever? So, you know, but I don't think, I don't think the SEC will let, you know, the outside stuff get to it. And really, if you look at it from the basketball perspective, there's nobody else it could be but Brandon Miller this week. Honestly, I'll take it one step further. If you account, if you account for, everything that's kind of going on and he still delivered that performance that only adds way more luster to what he did in terms of I agree you that like that's I think that's one other way you could look at it is the idea of you had all that going on and people are talking about oh wow like he did that with everything going on like you can you can debate I'll let everybody else debate in terms of where they should be playing or not that's that's neither here nor there we're talking about the actual performance and also keep this in mind too when we talk about players of the week Usually that award goes to somebody if who didn't have a consistent week, usually had like a, a blowout phenomenal game. The question is, who else scored 40 last week? 
<laughs> I, I don't. I can't think of anybody at the top of my head who scored forty last week. So if you want to look point. at it, whatever whatever criteria you want to measure it by to give give player of the week to a player, Brandon Miller's kind of met that. You can take away the outside noise. You can include the outside noise. It's kind of hard to give it to anybody else but him. I agree. We'll see what happens. I I don't know what's going to happen. We'll find out. You will have already known what happened when this podcast comes out. Um, last thing on the basketball game, Justin Thomas and Nick Saban. I, I tweeted this out. Got some funny comments. What were they talking about courtside? You guys Give want to your- do the wave? Let's do the wave. <laughs> <laughs> the wave. The wave was great. The wave was great. I, I, I didn't think I would see Nick Saban do that. No, it, it's, it's definitely great to see uh, Saban, especially we're probably not going to see him a lot more until spring football. But yeah. also, I think you and Sam are about to be best buddies. I understand you're about to be, you know, real deep on the football coverage for the spring. And yeah. you know, Saban's going to have a lot to talk about with, you know, quarterback battle, storylines. It's just storylines galore with football. It is. It really is. Um, but Justin Thomas was back in town. That was great. Um, he's always been a big basketball fan, tight hoops fan, if you will, if you, that's what you want to call it. Um, so he was able to kind of get a little break from the tour and come and see Alabama play. Uh, just a very funny friendship. I, I knew that they knew each other and had kind of interacted with each other already. But the fact that they kind of got to put a cherry on top and sit together for two and a half hours at a basketball game kind of made it all that much better for me. Um, but baseball, what kind, of, what kind of golf tips do you think Thomas gave Saban? I, I don't know because you know Saban <laughs> golf's plenty. Um, and I, I'm they've probably played together if I had to guess, um, probably multiple times just because they the, their paths kind of cross. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he gave him as many, as many <laughs> tips as he can. And, um, because that, that I'm sure Saban probably gave Thomas some tips on something, you know, I mean, he's always good for a one liner or you know, some kind of advice of some sort. I'm sure a guy that's won so many national championships yeah. and has had so much so much success in his um, career path. So that's it for basketball. It's going to be Auburn on Wednesday night, Texas A&M. That game still could matter on Saturday. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of penciling in Alabama to beat Auburn just because of the team's trending directions right now um, and the fact that it's in Tuscaloosa. But if Alabama was to lose that game, that game in College Station would still have SEC title implications. So they got to do it Wednesday. If they don't do it Wednesday, they're going to have to win on the road against the Texas A&M team that's been playing really good basketball in the last couple of months. Baseball. Mason, you covered the game Saturday. I covered the game Sunday, yesterday. Um, 8-0. They're still undefeated. They they sweep High Point. Very competitive series. High Point came out and played good baseball all three days. We'll talk about it in a little bit. They had a 6-0 lead in the game Mason covered on Saturday night. Uh, but just, I, I think the biggest thing here was, you know, I, I've always talked about this with the baseball program, how important it is to win non-conference games and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're kind of, I think, Bohannon with his hot seat and the team kind of knowing that there's a lot of pressure to succeed this year. They understand how important these games are. Mason, you covered, I believe, both midweek games last week. Um, and they, they won both of those. And then they came home this weekend and swept high point. Um, they they had their schedule flipped around. They were kind of planning on going up to Malibu, getting to play Pepperdine for a three-game series. Those plans got canceled due to weather. They kind of had to recenter their focus and say, okay, here's a brand new team put it in front of us uh, and they still attacked it and got it done. No, it, it, it was definitely a strong performance, at least to start out just, and just so it's out there. I asked uh, Alex Thompson, the SID for baseball. I asked him, Alex, what's the best start for, for Alabama during the season? He said probably around 13 and 0, like, but he was ballparking it. And this team's an eight. No. So that means the, I, the believe that was, I believe that was the 2020 season that got, that ended up getting axed. I believe Alabama was undefeated or close to it. it they were some, at some point in that season, they were, I think, twelve or thirteen and zero. But oh, continue. I digress. No, it, it's fine. Like I think, that, <laughs> I think it just goes to show, like how close they are. Like they're honestly maybe what a weekend, two weekends away from you know yeah. surpassing that mark, whatever it is. 
And the biggest thing I like about this team is the offense. Like Brad Brohannon talked about it. Mm-hmm. This offense is just so loaded, not just with, you know, all American players, but everybody's just good at what they do. You have, a, yep. you have power in the lineup. You have speed in the lineup. You know, the biggest thing that kind of helped uh, Alabama win that game is high point and get that huge inning that allowed them to retake the lead. They had two players, Caden Rose and Andrew Pinkney, that beat out infield singles, mm-hmm. that that turned those plays that would have been double plays, either of them, into uh, fielder's choices and allowed the inning to keep going. So I think when you have versatility in your lineup, it allows you to, to succeed in ways that other teams just simply would not. And I think this offense is really uh, showing its true strength through these first eight games of the year. Yeah, beating out – infield singles like that's something that you that you don't really get to see at the MLB level but you do get to see at the college level um just about every ground ball in the infield you're going to see the guy going 110% to first base because if you don't it's not like MLB where you're making hundreds of millions of dollars and it doesn't really matter if you show that much effort on a ground out you're kind of playing for your position every single time you hit the ball on the ground so yeah i think that's awesome i think watching players like that andrew pigney's going to be an MLB player watching him leg out infield singles when he hits it hard and and instead of being frustrated and kind of walking back to the dugout, can leg out uh, an infield single and escape a double play or whatever it might be. Matt Gousset, the backup backup catcher, if you will, not really a backup anymore um, as he's kind of stepping into a starting role, the Florida transfer, his bat's hot. So now you got two catchers with Dom Temez. They, you can kind of interchange them, you know, based on who's tired, who needs a rest. The DH. The, the DH. DH. I mean, how, how often do you see two catchers in the same batting lineup? I mean – not many teams can afford to have two catchers in their lineup that can hit the ball that well. Alabama does. Like Mason said, they've just kind of got they've got good players at every position. And it's they got veteran players. They've got a good bullpen. Um Saturday, Mason was there, six zero high point. What what I forget which inning it kind of flipped in, but 10 unanswered runs, including a three-run shot by I believe it was Drew Williamson to kind of cap it off. It yes, it was. It was um I had the notes pull right here. It was the top of the third where High Point scored six runs in the bottom of the fifth where UAR scored with seven runs. It, it was just a, a high-scoring half inning for both of those teams. And honestly, the issue the issue was with with Alabama that game. They kind of had some poor defense in, in the third in the top of the third that kind of allowed uh, High Point to kind of get on get on base, have some of those runs that weren't allowed. Of course, the home runs were going to come. It was a it was a tough inning for Ben Hess. I will be honest with you, but Alabama was able to respond. Seven runs, licking out single. Um, you know, power, power hitting, and then Drew Williamson with the icing on the cake. So I really like what this Alabama offense was able to do, you know, to win the series and sweep the series against High Point. And as great, as great as this offense is, as great as this team is playing right now, I will say one thing that I want to keep, you know, at least keep my eye on, Austin. I want to make sure, will this offense be, you know, too reliant on how powerful it is? I understand this is a senior team. I don't think it's going to be the case. But, you know, when teams are this offensively, you know, skilled or at least all the way down the lineup, it's like, okay, well, it's good to have no lead be insurmountable in your mind, but sometimes people may allow that to uh, overcome poor baseball. They may like, okay, you know, you know it's fine. We're, we're down to we'll nothing. Come back. Right. Yeah, you, that's that's an extremely dangerous mindset to be in. I'm not saying that team has it. I'm not saying that team ever will have it. But I think that's one thing to kind of keep in mind, especially as I watch that, that game. It's just the fact that, hey, look, you don't want to get in too deep of holes because as we, as you, and of course the main baseball writer, Joey Blackwell, knows when he gets to SEC play, uh, a 6 0 deficit to Tennessee or a 6 0 deficit to Vanderbilt or LSU is not the same thing as being down 6 0 to high point. So <laughs> Correct. You, you probably want to just make sure you're, you know, playing good, consistent baseball all the way through. It, it does. It's, it's very important. I mean, 
you go down six runs against a team like that, you might see some guys pouting, heads down. Oh, we lost this one. We'll get them back tomorrow. They didn't. I mean, just like you said, Mason, they came out the very next inning and just smacked them right back and scored seven and said, all right, well, that was your punch. Here's ours. Get the lead back and then end up stamping it and win 10-6 and then come back on Sunday after all that and win again. You know, the, the hitting wasn't great on Sunday. Um, they only got four hits. They had a solo shot. They left 11 on base, I think. Um, and, and Bohanna was a little disappointed in that, but he kind of said, I don't think this is going to be a normal thing for this team. Um, it, it just happened to be that way on Sunday and the bullpen was excellent. So it didn't really matter. Uh, they, th- they, the bullpen came in three guys, two of them, I want to say are freshmen. Um, they went four innings, giving up just two hits and they, it was a scoreless four innings. So uh, great bullpen on Sunday. I think this team and this, you know, the baseball fans in Tuscaloosa are feeling good about this team. Uh, I think coming into the season, that was the case. And I, I still think it is now um, as you're sitting at eight, no, you're, you're not losing games that you've lost in the past but you got to keep it going. And I think they know that and, and they're going to be focused on Jacksonville state on Wednesday. So Alabama baseball eight, no, uh, that new poll should be coming out. I think there's a chance they'll get inside the top 20. Uh, they didn't move last week after sweeping Richmond, but now that they've won five more games, you got to think they'll probably get a little bit of a bump, at least three spots or so. Um, let, let's, let's cap this thing off. We've got Mason Smith here. Um, he's doing it all for women's basketball right now. The women's basketball team, Mason, they had a really good thing. I think they had four wins in a row, and then they followed that up here to end the season with three losses in a row uh, to Mississippi State, Florida, and then on Sunday against Ole Miss, a heartbreaker at home on senior day. What's the outlook right now? Man, I'm not going to lie. It was a very emotional post-game press conference. It was very obvious that all the seniors that showed up and head coach Chris Kerr, they just got done crying. You know, yes, part of it was probably because of the senior day. The seniors did not get honored until after the game. But, you know, right. besides which I that, always think is a weird thing because it's like they did the same thing with men's basketball. It's like, what if they lose? Then, like, that just ruins the whole, like, celebration. You, you, you get what you, you get what you had on on that day. But at the same time, it's just the fact of, you know, to, to kind of be short winded about this. It was very tough. But I think that this team will hopefully turn it around for SEC play. The two opponents that they played, Kentucky, they beat Kentucky 72 to 65 on the road at Kentucky. And then with Florida, they lost 81-77, but the offense was there, and they had they turned the ball over 20 times, Austin. Mm-hmm. You can't beat anybody turning the ball over 20 times, but the Federal had 20 turnovers, gave up 19 points off of those turnovers. That that goes to show, you know, how good this team could be if you play clean basketball against a Gator team. And if they play a Kentucky team, you know, the odds are in their favor. Now, after that, they'll have to play a Tennessee team that mm-hmm. they lost by 13 against earlier in the SEC play. But I think this team has kind of found its mold. They're going to have to have consistent scoring from people besides Brittany Davis. The defense is going to continue to be elite. And I think it's going to make sure this just comes down to execution at the end of the day for Alabama to have a true chance to make a deep ACC tournament run. All right, let's hit this, Mason. One to ten, what is the Mason Smith level of confidence of this Alabama women's basketball team heading into SEC tournament and NCAA tournament play? <laughs> I know where I, I know where Chris stands on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris would yeah. Oof. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my confidence in them, I would say it's about a six, six, okay. seven. So you're um, still hanging around. You're still yes. you're still interested. You're still intrigued. Absolutely. Three losses to end regular season play is a really, really bad momentum thing for a team. I don't care how, you know, mentally tough you are. I don't care how many, you know, upperclassmen you have. Losing three games. I believe the men's basketball team did that last year. Am I I wrong about that? I think they lost their last three 
and then went to Tampa, lost to Vandy, and then went to San Diego and lost to Notre Dame and lost all five games to end the season. I yeah, could I, be wrong. I believe that's what happened, though. So the, the trend is not good for sure. Oh, not not at all. And I think that's really important to, you know, make sure you kind of end the season on a high note. Because when you do that, you know, it kind of just add, it adds a bad vibe. And I have the last season's record pulled up. They lost to Texas A&M at home. They got blown out. 87-71. They lost to LSU yep. on the road to end the year in OT. Yep. OT. The J.D. Davidson not shooting the ball game. I remember that. Yeah. Vanderbilt, <laughs> they lost the open round of uh, conference yep, championship. I was there for that. That was a tough and one. Double-digit lead in the second half, let me add, on Vandy and lost that one. And then, of course, that NCAA tournament game, Javon Conley blows out his knee. And then 78-64 loss. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it was tough. But I think history will not repeat itself. I do think that Alabama women's basketball does have a chance to get past Florida. I think they – I think they have a chance to get past Tennessee, but it's going to take a lot of solid play from their bigs. Jada Wright's going to have to continue to play like a potential all-defensive player that she is because she right now she leads the SEC in blocks per game and total blocks. So I think she has a really good chance to, you know, put her foot on this game, and they're going to need scoring from everybody, from people besides Brittany Davis. Aaliyah Nye averages nine points a game in conference play. I think she may have a chance to sneak into an all-SEC second team, you know, if things kind of go her way. But they're going to need consistent scoring. This the Alabama's offense is good when they're knocking down threes. It's three or four people that are getting into the mix. But when you don't have that, this offense can look very, very rough, and the defense is just trying to basically just stay alive. Like, honestly, if you look at the defense – numbers for Alabama, you would notice that they're kind of keeping teams below their average. Shooting averages are down for all those teams. Their defense is fine. But that offense can be real hot or cold for Christy Curry. And that's something that's going to have to change you know, going into SEC tournament play. Nailed it. Wyatt, you got anything else for us? You, you, folks, Wyatt's got work early in the morning. He, <laughs> he's taking time out of his late night here on Late Night with Bama Central with Mason Wyatt and Austin. And he's he's got work in the morning. Wyatt, do you got anything else? No, I think Mason, I think Mason absolutely killed it. Mason covered it. You know, my, the only question I was going to ask is for, for those that are, I'll say newer to women's basketball, aren't, weren't really paying attention a ton in the season, but okay. Now we know the tournament's coming up. So now we're going to tune in. Who are the names that you want that we need to key into and we need to pay attention to outside of the primary scorer in Brittany. Okay. I'll start with Alabama for Alabama outside of Brittany. Aliyah Nye is shooting 40% from three in SEC play. That when you have a score like that, and I'm I'm gonna be honest with you guys, watch her shoot the basket. Oh my goodness, that's a a pretty good percentage. Oh my goodness, (laughs) but and not to mention that she has the most beautiful rotation on a ball you've ever seen when it comes to people that can shoot. You have to watch her. Hannah Barber runs the offense for the team. She's really solid at point guard, and then of course, like I said, Jada Rice. Jada Rice is leading the leading the league in total blocks. Matter of fact, she is the fourth player in Alabama program history to have sixty blocks in a season. And right now, she's slowly and surely climbing up that ranking, you know, as the games go on. Outside of that, of course, Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina, may probably future number one pick in that WNBA draft. Angel Reese from LSU, you know, the Bayou Barbie, as she's called, very, very dominant lefty player. You know, it's a, it's a lot of talent. And honestly, in terms of the matchup that Alabama may see, Florida has a point guard named K.K. Deans, Kristen Deans. She lit up Alabama for 22 points in the 81-77 loss, or I guess win for Florida. So that's another player to kind of keep in mind. So the refresher memory besides Brittany Davis, you have Jada Rice, Hannah Barber, and Aaliyah Nye for Bama. Then outside of Bama, you have Aaliyah Boston, you have Angel Reese, and you have KK Deans from Florida. Nailed it. We got it. We got the scoop. I think we're I think we're ready. It's in Greenville, South Carolina, right? 
Yes, sir. Greenville, South Carolina. And they just will start make sure play on everybody... Thursday night, Thursday afternoon. Do we have a time yet? Do we have a time? That's that is when Bama plays. So okay. real real quick, Kentucky, Kentucky and Florida will play each other. The winner of that game plays Bama. Bama plays that game at 6 p.m. on Thursday. SEC Network. Bama win- yes, on SEC Network. If Bama wins that game, Bama will play Tennessee on Friday. And then after that. And so and so and so and so and so. <laughs> Perfect. I think we nailed it. Mason Wyatt, thank you for joining me again. Wyatt obviously is here every week. Mason, thank you for your guest appearance here. Um, we'll be back next Monday, obviously. Maybe we'll we'll probably record this not late at night, because uh, Wyatt Wyatt's got a full-time job going in the week. But uh for Mason Smith and Wyatt Fold, I am Austin Hannon. Thank you for listening to the weekend wrap up this week. We'll text you. We'll not text you. We're gonna talk to you next Monday. Roll time. <laughs>